John chapter 8. And before we read, let's go ahead and take a moment and pray. Father, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for your word, its life to us, its health and strength to us. Lord, we just, uh, we look to you today. We seek and knowing, knowing that we will find. We knock knowing that it will be opened. And we ask knowing that we shall receive today. Lord, give us what we need. Give us the goods, the wisdom, the understanding, the revelation of truth that will make a difference in our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Praise God. So this is what we've been studying the last number of weeks. We call this the eyes of your understanding. And we get that from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 where the Apostle Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. All right. This is one of the most important truths. Just simply from this standpoint, it allows us to gain access to other truths. It doesn't matter how much the word is read or heard or uh, uh, preached or taught. If a person is closed... If their eyes are closed, their understanding is closed to what's being said, it basically has no value. You know, a person can come to church and get nothing. I mean, that's rare here. (laughs) Because of the hearts of the people, right? Uh, But a person can read the Bible and get nothing, no benefit out of it. All right, And that's what we want to avoid. I don't know about you, but I've got things to do. I've got places to go and people to see, (laughs) you know. And when I spend time in the Word, that's a very valuable and precious time. I want to get something, you know. And and our people's lives in this day and age and our society are very, very busy. And uh, I know many people uh, in, in churches in different parts of the country, churches have shortened their services. And where they used to be you know, a couple hours, and they were an hour and a half, and they were an hour, an hour and, and many will say hours are max, and I'm not saying whether they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, I just, I'm just saying that people's lives are so busy, and have got so much going on, that um, many times people have, in church services, they, they, they say, we get to shorten it up, shorten it up, shorten it up, and they find that when they do, well, people will come more. Well, uh, I just know this, when I do come, whether it's for a half hour, an hour, or five hours, it better be valuable to me. And the way that it can be valuable, the way that it won't be a waste of time, is if my eyes are opened. Is if my heart is in a condition where I can receive from the Lord. Then, man, I tell you what, if 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 you're excited about a half hour, when your eyes are open, you say, man, there's no time limit really on me. Because you're seeing stuff. You're, you're, you're having a relationship with God that's beyond a religious experience. It's beyond just a sense of duty and, and obligation. It's beyond just a, just a discipline in, in, in your life. And there's value to discipline. But uh, it's beyond that. It's like, I see God. 
Man, I come to church and I, I read the Word and I, I worship Him and I see. Not talking about with our physical eyes. We're talking about we see on the inside. We have an understanding. We're able to grasp true reality. And that changes everything. Praise God. And so that's why we're taking some time talking about the eyes of our understanding. And uh, I, I want to uh, get back into where we left off last time. And in giving keys to understanding, we're on this point. This is number seven, if you're taking notes. All right. Number seven is an understanding heart. All right. An understanding heart. In other words, again, I must say this, the foundation of the right type of heart, the foundation of an understanding heart gives us the ability to receive understanding. Okay. But if I have a hardened heart... I am dull in my heart. Then when understanding comes to me, it bounces off. I'm not going to be able to grasp it. Basically, I could say it this way. I won't know the truth. I, when I say I won't know it, I might be able to repeat it back to you. Maybe. But I won't really know it. And if I don't really know it, I won't be free. Okay? And so I've got to get my heart in this condition where it can receive from the Lord. A person that has an understanding heart, they're going, to be, they're going to be a problem solver in life. Why? Because they're going to see answers. They're going to be more quick to see solutions. When everyone else is, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, I just don't know what to do. Just confusion. Uh, you know, and really what that is, is a darkness. You know, it's like walking in a dark room or in a very dimly lit room after you come out from the light, come in from the, a bright room. And you're kind of, you're trying to adjust. You're trying to see. It's just difficult. There's all kinds of stuff in there. You just can't really identify what they are. And many times people live their lives that way, okay? They don't know what to do. They've got decisions to make and, uh, you know, people to hire and fire and, you know, things to buy and things to sell and decisions to make and relationship issues and it's all kind of foggy it's all kind of hazy it's well i'm just kind of not sure and don't get me wrong we i think we've all been in that position where yikes i gotta make a decision on this i don't just don't know what the right decision is but it sure helps to have open eyes when the eyes of our understanding are enlightened man i can see clearly oh yeah i'll do this i'll go here i'll say this i'll fire you and I'll hire you <laughs> and make all kinds of decisions with a clear sight as to what we ought to be doing okay and so uh, in our discussion about having an understanding heart you remember it goes back to Jesus multiplying the loaves and the fish the disciples saw the miracle but then right after that, they were absolutely astonished to see another one. They were amazed when the Lord Jesus did something else. And he got on their case for it. And it was revealed to us that the reason they were surprised and unable to receive the supernatural was because of the hardness of their hearts. And so I know this for certain, that the more my heart is tender and open and my eyes are open to see and understand spiritual realities, the quicker I'll be able to receive supernatural intervention, the quicker I'll be able to help somebody else get free and get their life changed, all right? And this is something that we should desire above so many things in life, the fact that we are soft and open to the Lord and to kingdom business and if we're going to be hard towards anything it's hard towards the world 
hard towards sin, hard towards those other things that uh, they don't move us, hard towards circumstances where I'm not quick to be moved and, and pushed to, from side to side, to and fro by the winds of change around me. But I stay constant and I'm sensitive and tender only to the Word of God. Praise God. That's the kind of person who will rise up and do something great for the Lord. And so what we consider, again, Jesus revealed to them and revealed to us through that circumstance that they had not considered the loaves and the fish. And when we consider what the Lord has done, His miracles in the past, we consider what He has said, that puts our heart in a position to receive more from Him. But I've got to be thinking about just regularly what the Lord is saying and what the Lord is doing. And if I'm not, if all that's running through my brain is, you know, the score from the NBA playoffs, all that's running through my brain is the next episode of whatever it is, all that's running through my brain is bills and cares and the weather and, and, and you know, and not all that's evil. Are you listening to me? But if that's all that's going through my brain, I'm going to be hardened towards the things of God. Absolutely, not even on purpose. I just got so preoccupied with natural stuff that the Lord may speak and it'll sound like a thunderstorm. <laughs> the, Lord may, the Lord may speak audibly from heaven and I'll go, what was that? I just simply won't recognize when these kind of things are taking place. And so what we consider will ultimately determine what we have faith in. You can't consider something else if you want the Word to work for you. The Lord says one thing and we consider an alternate way of working it out. Plan B. We, 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 we consider another way out. Well, I'm not being sensitive to the Lord, we must come to the point where we can be single-minded when it comes to, to, to the Word of God and what He's doing. I can focus only. Remember, Abraham did that. Abraham was a great man of faith. It wasn't that he had more faith than you or had more faith than me, but he didn't consider his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't take that into consideration. The Lord promised me this. The Lord said, I'll be the father of many nations, and that's all he'd think about. That's called discipline. Hmm. Let me ask you this. Could you sit in your uh, chair, sit on your couch for a while, and only think about what the Lord has promised you? Could you keep your mind stayed upon one thing for more than two and a half minutes? It almost sounds like, you know, Kind of funny, but, you know, the reality is that can be pretty challenging to keep your mind stayed only on him and what he said and not consider, what if it doesn't work? But what if the money doesn't come in? But what if my body doesn't change? But what if, 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 and not consider that? And this is something that does take a process. This is a discipline right here. Okay, It does take a process and takes time of singling our mind on the Lord and what He has said. Then and only then will we be able to resist all these thoughts that continually bombard us. And there can come a point where, uh, don't get me wrong, thoughts always come to other people. But some, uh, when we're in a right position, when our hearts are right, uh, and I don't mean 
righteous before God, but I mean we got our hearts in that condition that we want, uh, those thoughts are easily dismissed. Do you realize that one person uh, drives by, you know, a a bar or something or just a, or a, you know, a convenience store or a liquor store? One person drives by and the thought pops into their mind, go get a, go get something to drink of the alcoholic nature. And they, it, it pops in their mind and it's literally there for a millisecond and they're on to something else. And another person drives by and they start sweating. And they're saying, oh, you know, mm. and they struggle within themselves to not act on that thought that dropped into their mind. Same thought, two different people. One of them has given a whole lot of thought to that already probably participated a lot in it and therefore it becomes a stronghold in them but the other person they've not given their mind to those things they've not given themselves over to it so it's quickly and easily dismissed I'm saying that any of us can train ourselves till we get to the point where we can dismiss anything that's contrary to the ways of God and it's not a struggle it's not like, feel like, man, I'm doing this, but I don't, you know, I'm living my life this way, but I really want to live it the other way. Huh? That's a sad scenario for a Christian to say about themselves that they're living for God, but they don't really want to. But they're doing it because they know they have to. You can get to the point, and we all should, get to the point, if, if it's not the case already, where we're living for God, and we don't want to live in the world we literally don't want to get up and sin every day and do wrong things doesn't mean the temptation can't come but the temptation comes and it's like nah I want to serve him okay but it doesn't come with a snap of a finger or you know just a quick prayer it comes by what we consider regularly if I'll consider his ways consider what he's done that will become a strong hold in my mind and in my life and to where I will gravitate towards those things. What you focus your attention on, you'll be sensitive to. What you neglect, you'll be hardened to. And so I can purposely neglect things that are not good for me, things that are going to hurt, hurt my life, things that are contrary to the ways of the Lord. I can purposely neglect them, shun them, give them no attention discriminate against them have no part with you and be sensitive I can purposely give my attention to the things of the Lord and I'll become more and more and more sensitive to knowing what the Lord is saying what the Lord is doing I know I know some people who make uh, who make diet and exercise a real high priority in their life and certainly it deserves some amount of priority uh, but I think some go too far I'm just using this as an illustration because of some people I know every time I see them every time I get around them that's the first thing out of their mouth how much they can lift their bench press you know and this and this and, 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 and again there's nothing wrong with that if you can bench press a lot good for you <laughs> you, know, I, you know I think working out is a valuable thing and, and watching what you eat is a valuable thing but I, I just I can remember 
being around this person and walking away thinking, you know, I appreciate how good a shape they're in, but I don't want to be like that. When I say like that, I don't want to be where that's the only thing I ever talk about. Where I'm so, basically, I have a workout heart. (laughs) In other words, I'm soft and sensitive to that, but anything else, if you bring up the things of God, I don't have anything to say. You talk about the Lord, I don't, I'm just kind of, I kind of go quiet. And uh, because I know I'm this particular person I'm thinking of, but to miss, to miss a church service or something special going on at church wouldn't take anything. I mean, the slightest little hiccup and it's easy to, to, to miss. But to miss a workout, almost nothing can get in the way of that. And I think there's something wrong with that. What, nothing can, can disrupt your schedule to get in there and get your workout? But you can miss church just at the drop of a hat? And I don't want to be that way. Look at Romans chapter 16 with me. Romans 16. And verse 19. It says, For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. This, this should be a guiding verse for our lives in our day and age when there is so much information. You can watch news around the clock, the other side of the world, real time. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's wrong to know some of what's going on. I mean, it's tragic what's happening in China and, and over in Africa and some of these things, and we know about that, and that can serve some value, okay? Uh, but we've got to watch out that we're not just experts in everything bad happening. And simple, and ign- you know, our, I should say this, yeah, well, well simple concerning good, Concerning the Word and what the Lord is doing and people being saved and, and the changes that are happening around the planet, uh, let alone our own area and our own lives concerning what God is doing, we don't have much to say about it. But did you hear? Did you read the headline? Did you read this story? Did you see this news? Did you see this broadcast? Did you see what's happening? Did you hear, what you hear about this new movie? And we're quick. We can just fly off all the facts and figures of everything going on. And most of it, again, though it's not necessarily all evil in and of itself, it's not helping. What it's doing is hardening our hearts towards the Lord. Because if we have a disproportionate amount of media and everything else constantly streaming into our brain and we get a little bit of word, we get a little bit of God, a quick prayer on the way out before the meal or something like that, and, and we just get a little bit of God and all kinds of stuff, just information, information. Some of it's bad and some of it's kind of neutral, but it's just stuff. We're going to be very open to that and hardened towards the Lord. And if we're hardened towards the things of God, again, not because we just chose to do that, just through neglect, well, it's going to be difficult to believe God in the time of trouble. When all of a sudden things are falling apart and we've got to pray the prayer of faith, we've got to grab hold of the promises of God and get His power to come on the scene, man, we're just not up to it. We're just not ready to get to that place. I believe that we can tune our ear to hear God and ignore the world. 
You can, t- you can train yourself. I remember when I first began flying, you got to listen to and, and, and understand what the control tower is saying. And at the beginning, it seems like, what in the world did they just say? There is all kinds of commands and, you know, vectors and all kinds of weather information, all this kinds of stuff just coming at you. And they're rattling it off, and you don't know who they're talking to. And if they're talking to you, it's like, what was that? And you can't do that. (laughs) Uh, Come back. Well, you could if you had to, but... (laughs) But it was just gobbledygook, all this, all this stuff, and you couldn't decipher anything. But I noticed over a period of time, all of a sudden, you could be having a conversation with someone else in, in the airplane, and just having a conversation, and your ear is tuned to all of a sudden you hear your tail number, and you hear exactly what they say, you know what they mean. And you're ready to respond. Hold on a minute. You, get, you, you, you know, you respond and, and you keep going. But it doesn't happen in, immediately. What happens is you train yourself to tune in to certain frequencies. You train yourself to listen for certain events happening. Like, like, like a mother and their baby crying. It's because that's so important that everything else... Gets, I mean, how many, how many times can a, a mother hear, you know, ten babies crying, and they can hear theirs? And to the average person, you think they all sound the same. <laughs> it all sounds bad, you know. You know, get me away from all, from all this screaming and crying. But the mom can can hear their own baby. Why? They're sensitive to that. Can, can it happen that way with the Lord? You know, people have trained their eyes. They're physicalized. Some people are trained to see certain things. Many times they're occupation or something, but it's said they have an eye for this. They've trained themselves that way. I know when we were building our house, there was, there was these, um, we were with this one guy, I don't know who that guy was, but he was going around looking at stuff. He came over to me and said, come look at this. And we have, uh, you know, the, the windows uh, window doors, whatever you call it, and then right above that, there's a little skinny window, what do you, a transom window, and you know, looking on the inside, everything looked good, everything looked normal. He goes, "Come look at this," and and uh, I went out on the back porch, and we looked, and there was no window. We look on the inside, there's a window. On the outside, no window. <laughs> In other words, they just covered it right up. <laughs> And, and, on, and no, I don't think anyone did that intentionally. But I, I think, you know what? I bet we could have gone a long time living there. <laughs> and never really noticed that that window, that they, they covered it up accidentally on the outside. But this person had an eye for stuff like that. He had trained himself to find things that were wrong or things that were missing. And, and, uh, and so that served his purposes in that, in that situation. This is the way we can be with God. I can notice something's missing or something's happening or the Lord's speaking. Other people just kind of go on, just doing their own thing, going their own way. They don't know what in the world's going on. But we recognize the Lord's doing something here. I encourage you to pay attention. Listen. Exercise yourself that way. But a lot of this, again, comes back to I'm giving attention to, I'm considering 
what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is doing, and what He, is, what he has done in the past. You know, over in Mark chapter 4, uh, you, you can turn there if you, if you, if you want, just uh, briefly, Mark chapter 4 and verse 18. This is when Jesus was explaining the parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4 and verse 18. He, he said, now these are the ones sown on, among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches, and notice this next one, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I always find that interesting, he, how he had to put that phrase in there, because you can see, yeah, cares of the world, yeah, deceitfulness of riches, and he said, the desire for other stuff. In other words, didn't give a big long list, he just said, other things, other stuff. Many times, just a desire for things other than the Word. And we give so much attention because we want stuff. We want things. And that desire for that comes in and chokes the Word. And we don't understand. How come when I read the Bible, I don't get anything? How come I come to church and I'm not really just, just getting stuff like I want? How come when I pray and I need an answer, I'm not hearing from God? It's because you want other stuff. The desire for other things chokes the word. It becomes unfruitful. It's not able to stay in there long enough to, to, to begin to produce. And so what we consider is going to determine what the condition of our heart is, whether it's hard or soft towards the things of the Lord. And we could talk about what we watch. We could talk about what we listen to, uh, what we do, what we practice, even what we tolerate in our life. And we just allow to exist. All these things can affect what we, uh, the condition of our heart. You know, music and those kind of things, they're important because the content of what's being said is having a pounding effect on your heart. You know this is true. That's why sometimes hearing a message like this, but hearing it repeatedly, hearing it more than once, it starts pounding on you. What? It's chipping away the junk. And it's getting in there to where our heart can receive it. And it can, and then we can begin to produce that. But we hear these things more than once. But sometimes, you know, people, because of their... And nothing wrong with a different style or taste. But someone like, I really like this song. I like, I like the beat. I like... Well, fine. Listen to it. But you might want to consider what kind of effect it's having on your heart. Because if it's spewing a bunch of negativity, a bunch of negative stuff, if it's spewing some anti-God stuff, just full of a bunch of cussing and all kinds of things, don't think that it's not affecting you. Someone said, I can listen to that and still love God. Well, I think you're, you're, you're making light of it. And don't get me wrong, I understand that, because I did that. I remember, you know, because I, I dealt with this in my late teens, when before, you know, the Lord dealt with me, because I'd listen to stuff and I'd put up arguments. I can listen to that, what's the big deal? There's nothing wrong with it, it's not like it's devil worship. And it wasn't. And the Lord still loved me, and I did love God. But what happens is it has an effect on you. Because you hear stuff, and especially music. You know, how many times do you play a song? Like a hundred million times. <laughs> you know, you play it, if you like it, you play it over and over and over. And it's affecting your heart. And you get come out of that, and you think, I'm going to go worship God. And you can, but it's just not going to be as good. Because you're not going to be as sensitive. Your eyes won't be as clear and as open unto what the Lord is saying 
in what the Lord is doing. I remember reading about uh, a man named Smith Wigglesworth, who was a man of God in heaven now. But the reports are, and things I've read, is that he would not let a newspaper into his house. Someone came one, one time, uh, and uh, they showed up at his house. They had a newspaper under their arm, and they were invited over for breakfast or something. He said, you can come in, but you have to leave that outside. <laughs> and that sounds pretty extreme. And, you know, because I, I understand his philosophy was, why, why read half the truth when you can read the whole truth? And, uh, and some might think, well, again, that's extreme. But the guy had serious results in his life. He helped a whole lot of people, and the miracles abounded big time. He was just real sensitive to God. He was real hard towards the world. He was real hard towards other stuff, and it produced great things in his life. And someone said, well, he probably missed out on some stuff, didn't he? You know, Well, you know, maybe a couple, <laughs> but probably also missed out on a whole lot of bad stuff. And he just chose to do that, and it had great results in his life. Uh, someone said, well, you, you know, we got to stay in touch with reality. Which one? The reality of the way things are in the world, the, the reality of pain and suffering in people's lives and hardships and people not having direction and clear sight, or the reality of the Lord, how He loves us, gave His life for us, said He'd do anything for us. Come on now. He made all things of it. I think it's more important to see that. Okay? Am I saying that we should throw away the newspapers? Well, no. But you might want to. I'm, saying, I'm not saying it's out of the question. <laughs> I'm just saying this principle must be understood by us. That what we're giving our attention to and what we're considering is affecting us. And if we're going to spend some time in that, make sure you double up on this. If you're going to read, you know, going to watch a movie, fine. I'll watch movies. And uh, better make sure you got adequate time in the Word and in prayer. Better be popping some, you know, CDs in the car of some Bible <laughs> when you're driving down the road. Got to compensate. So we think, well, that's not affecting me. Is too. How many miracles have you seen today? How many people did you help this week with the, with the supernatural, miraculous power of God? Well, if it's anywhere close to zero, you might want to consider doing what I'm saying. You know this in Mark chapter 11, in verse, well, you're there in 4, just go over to 11, well-known verse of Scripture. Mark 11, verse 23, see, what we consider will either feed our faith or it will feed our doubts. And in, in chapter 11, in verse 23, it says, For surely I say to you, who, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Notice the contrast there. I just want to bring out this one point. It says, he does not doubt in his heart, but believes. It wasn't that he just believed, but that he didn't doubt in his heart. Well, what would cause a person to doubt in their heart? Doubt means to waver. What would cause a person to doubt in their heart? It depends on what they're looking at. It depends on what they're considering. Abraham didn't doubt, didn't waver, because he didn't consider anything other than what the Lord said. The one thing that causes us to doubt is we start considering another option. We start considering 
maybe just the things of this world instead of the ways of God and the truth of his word. You know James chapter 1, do you? (laughs) James chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, but let him ask in faith, talking about wisdom here, it says, with no doubting. Why did he just say, let him just ask in faith? He made mention, he said, you need to ask in faith, but here's also something that's important, that you don't add doubt to it. You don't mix doubt with your faith. Don't have a little bit of faith and a little bit of doubt. So you got a little tug of war going on. And you got a little bit of believing, a little bit of unbelieving, a little bit of faith, a little bit of doubt going contrary to each other. That man is unstable, doesn't get anything from God. Amen. It says, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven, with the wind, driven and tossed by the wind. So it's not only that we have to believe God. That's, of course, important. Believe exactly what he says will come to pass. But also, don't throw a big big bunch of doubt in the mix. And that comes, again, from considering something else. My desire for other things. Considering, what if it doesn't work? What if God doesn't come through this time? What if, what if, what if, what if? And all that's doing is undermining my faith in God. And taking me away from the manifestation of what he has for me. You remember Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. says where your treasure is. What's the next part? There your heart will be also. And what, what a treasure is, of course. We oftentimes we refer to that. We think about money and finances. And that certainly is a treasure. But a treasure could also be defined as just something that's valuable. Your treasure, might you may have a treasure that's something other than money. But whatever you consider valuable would be a treasure to you. What happens? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so if I value certain things in this world, my heart is going to be there. It's going to be what I dream about. It's going to be what I wake up and think about. It's when I put my head on my pillow, I'm, I'm thinking about these things. Why? It's valuable to me. Therefore, my heart goes there. Therefore, I'm open to it. I'm tender-hearted towards it. But if I'm never laying my head on my pillow, now listen to me, and saying, thank you, Lord, you're so good to me. Lord, what you did, oh, I'm so glad. So thankful for Jesus. So thankful you answered my prayer. So thankful for what you did for somebody else. So glad about what you're doing. You think? Then it's probably true that our heart's not there. Doesn't mean not saved. Doesn't mean I don't have anything in my heart towards the Lord. But I'm more hardened towards that. And I'm more soft towards other things where my treasure is. And so we need to make the word valuable. Make whatever God says valuable and important. And our heart will go there. It'll be open to it. It'll be sensitive to these areas in our lives. Praise God. Now look at Isaiah chapter 5. We're going to finish up here. Isaiah chapter 5. I want to get you out in an hour. Just kidding. <laughs> We're already past that. At the same time, I don't mind going an hour. It's just whatever's necessary. Right? I know some people will feel robbed. but <laughs> Let's just do whatever's necessary and right. And if we're seeing something, it was valuable. Okay? If 
we're able to help somebody else and serve, serve God, then we've, we've spent time in a valuable way. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse, you probably already know, don't you? <laughs> verse 11. It says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning. Praise God. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> you know, the Bible says <laughs> to sleep in. <laughs> I should be talking to the second service, huh? (laughs) Those lazy bums. (laughs) All right, let's get back in context here. (laughs) How many know you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say? (laughs) Just stop at the right point. (laughs) Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink, who continue until night, till wine inflames them the harp and the strings the tambourine and flute and wine are in their feasts but they do not regard the work of the Lord nor consider the operation of his hands what are they doing they're basically getting sloshed all day they're getting They're getting drunk and not considering the operation of his hands. What should we be considering? The operation of God's hands. What has the Lord done that you can think about, that you can meditate on, that you can stay focused on, that you could sit in your chair and say, for the next two and a half minutes, I'm going to think only about the operation of God's hands. And I say that kind of jokingly, but at the same time, try it. Don't let your mind go on anything else. You might have to use your mouth to make this work because your mouth is going to help control your mind. All right? And you use your mind, stay focused on what the Lord has done. And maybe, uh, maybe you do it again the next day. Maybe a few days later, you go up to three minutes. <laughs> Because you, you, listen, we watch movies. How many know that stuff changes? Bam, 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 bam. And we've been trained. Our minds have been trained in undisciplined ways. <laughs> right? Now we've got to see something changing or moving. You know, if we're used to that, what I'm saying to you, even though it's like really good and not boring at all, uh, <laughs> some might be thinking, can you have some smoke? You know, <laughs> can we get a little <laughs> action? Can we do some more? The video, it's kind of static. Uh, <laughs> You know, the screen, can we get some movement? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the smoke and the video and the, all that, but a lot of it, if we have to have it, it's because we're undisciplined in our minds. Okay? And we should exercise ourselves towards this. And what better thing to meditate on? The works of His hands, the operation of God's hands. We regard the things of the Lord. We're used to regarding the things of this world, but to regard the things of God. Man, it'll change what we hear. You'll hear all kinds of chatter out there. And you'll hear the Lord's voice in the middle of it. You'll recognize, what was that? Someone will be speaking to you. You're just having a conversation. And you'll recognize right in the middle of it that God used them. That something was inspired what they said. 
You'll, you, you'll hear what I'm speaking to you today, and you'll recognize there'll be certain parts of it. I wish all of it, but you know, there'll be certain parts of it that jump out at you. And there was a, there was a sentence, and one thing you walked out of here with, but it opened your eyes concerning something in your life, something that the Lord wants you to do or wants to show you. Man, that's worth more than your offering this morning. <laughs> that's worth more than a movie price of a movie ticket. <laughs> Are you listening? When we can see clearly, oh, so valuable. Notice he said in verse 13, Therefore my people have gone into captivity. Well, why have they gone into captivity? Well, because they just got drunk all day and didn't, didn't regard the works of the Lord. They didn't consider His operations. Therefore, they have gone into captivity. Are people in captivity today to, to different issues and things because they don't consider the Lord's ways? Absolutely, that is the case. Say, why is this happening to me? Could be you didn't consider the Lord's works. Didn't consider the operation of His hands. And it produced a dullness of heart. It produced a hardness towards these things. And captivity came in. In other words, you couldn't see or recognize or know the truth. Therefore, you couldn't be free. He said, because they have no knowledge. What's a good reason for a lack of knowledge? Eyes closed. Eyes of the understanding are not enlightened. He said, their honorable men are, are, are famished. And their multitude dried up with thirst. And so it's very important, and, and, and this is something I want to, I don't know, I, want to, I almost wonder if we should, I should preach this three or four times in a row. I'll probably, you know, see more things as I do, but I, I just, I want for myself, and I want for you to be able to see, to have sight, to be, your mind is open towards the things of the Lord. When you read the Word, you get stuff. When you pray, it's a two-way conversation. And I know it's not just going to happen just because, you know, I asked for it. But just a little prayer. No, this is something we train our hearts in. We, get, we become skilled in. We train our ears, you know, again, not the physical ear, but to listen to what the Lord is saying. And then, of course, the prayer there in Ephesians. So it does come by asking. But again, it's not just a one, one shot. I'm just going to ask, and it's taking care of the rest of my life. I continually say, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. If you haven't done so yet today, we'll pray in just a moment, give you a chance to do so. Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Open the eyes of my understanding. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Amen. Father, thank you today. Thank you for being with us, for being for us. We love you, Lord. We, we value and treasure all that you're about. Your very presence, Your Word, Lord, Your Spirit, everything, all the works and operations of Your hands. We value and treasure these things above everything else. We purpose today to give You place to become hardened towards anything that opposes You. Anything that is in opposition to Your ways and Your Word and Your truth. We can become hardened towards that stuff and open, open into your voice, to your written word, to the miraculous demonstration of your power. Praise God. Father, thank you for doing a mighty thing now in each heart and each life. 
We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for those today who've never been saved. They're not on their way to heaven.